Hey guys, welcome to episode 48 of A True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. We know we just released an episode last week, but we're getting back into our bi-weekly schedule, and we know you really wouldn't mind if you got two weeks in a row. No, I think everyone would be really happy about that, so I'm glad. Me too. So today we have a case from Down Under. Fun fact about John, he is obsessed with Australian accents, particularly women. (laughs) So I'm just sorry that I'm getting... I just exposed your just, da- darkest secret. I know, right? What the hell? No, I think that you're just it's just so cool. I don't I don't know. It's You it's, find it attractive. Um <laughs> I find it attractive, but I also think it's really cool. Like his I, Siri has the Australian accent. I literally programmed my Siri in my iPhone <laughs> to sound Australian, yes. The other day we were talking about where we were gonna go on our honeymoon and he suggested Australia and I did not want to do that. <laughs> oh my god. Like I just I think it's really cool. I even like dudes that have Australian accents. No, it is are a cool. really awesome accent. It's just so different. I don't think there's nothing quite like it. But you know what can I say? Well, we love Australia. John may love you a little bit more, <laughs> but it's awesome because Australia is our most listened to country besides the United States, and we appreciate that big time. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it makes me really happy. So. Yeah, it's awesome to hear that people listen to us from all over the world. So, now, I am a huge fan of Case File, which I'm sure as podcast fans know, it's a big Australian podcast, and I know there are so many true crime stories, so, so many. Seriously, I see you, Australia, like you are living your true crime life, but I didn't want to do the same ones that you hear over and over again, but I do swear that we will soon do an episode on the Snowtown murders because my life was really... Never the same after hearing that story. It's deeply, deeply disturbing. But like always, we wanted to cover something that we haven't heard so many podcasts on. So we chose to talk about the case from Salt Creek, where cinema and real life meet. So let's get into it. And John, I just want to apologize that I can't do the podcast in an Australian accent. That's okay. It's (laughs) all right. I forgive you. Salt Creek is a small settlement in South Australia that is seven miles distance from the Kurong National Park. Guys, I'm so sorry if I pronounce these things wrong. I'll try my hardest. The town is so small and remote that in fact the 2016 census only lists there being 29 permanent residents living there full-time. Although many may not call Salt Creek home, it's a popular tourist stop due to the proximity to the Kurang National Park, and it's about 120 miles south of Adelaide. It's 90 miles of rugged beach and sand hills, vast wildlife, and cruise and kayak tours is what attracts many backpackers from all around the world. It's a great fishing spot. However, in 2016, two backpackers are going to experience a little more than they bargained for when they decide to take a ride from a stranger. Before we get into the details of this crime, we have to first talk about the ties that it has to Hollywood, both before and after. The terrifying, make-you-never-want-to-travel-again crime we're going to talk to you about today is associated with the film franchise Wolf Creek, but in an interesting way that it happened after all these movies came out. The first Wolf Creek movie tells the tale of two British backpackers who, along with a male friend, that they meet in Sydney, are headed to Queensland via the Great Northern Highway. They make a pit stop in Wolf Creek National Park, and when they return to their vehicle, it's not working. Enter now the obvious psychopath who gives off clues that he's unhinged every time he breathes, but they still decide to go with him to his house because he says he'll fix their car. He drugs them and ties them up and begins a torture scene that has been emblazoned deep within my 15-year-old psyche and still affects me to this day. This movie, coupled with Hostel, makes me never want to travel. That's okay, because you know what? I, I felt the same way. Like I watched all those movies, and I did not want to travel, period. And I, I kind of still don't. No, it's definitely terrifying. That's my biggest fear. Not to mention, you know, I mean, this is my opinion, but like people don't like Americans Although, you know, it depends. Well, no, I'm sure people like Amer- I know what you're saying. Like, we don't have the best reputation around the world as being the most um, 
accepting of other cultures and so. respectful yes. of other cultures. I mean, maybe not with Australia, but maybe other places right. where we're, we're not viewed the same. So that kind of makes me feel... Definitely naive in our travel. Yeah, life, so I, it kind of makes me feel a little standoffish to travel, but... Yeah. It's ironic because I'm a history teacher, so everyone always asks where I went or, like, where I've traveled, and I'm like, um, nowhere because I watch scary movies. Yeah. It's good enough for me. Like, okay, I've seen it through movies and film and YouTube. I'm good. So the movie Wolf Creek is inspired by real-life events of Ivan Milat. And any Australian knows who Ivan Milat is. He is the backpacker killer who is known for killing seven tourists from 1989 to 1993 in New South Wales. He was arrested in May of 1994 and he's currently imprisoned at the Goulburn Correctional Center. So that is the man that Wolf Creek is loosely based off of. And the movie was a massive success as it made just over $35 million in the box office, which was amazing because it only cost $1.4 to make. But that's the beauty of horror movies. All you have to do is add a sexual sadist murderer weirdo, a dirty isolated shack, and a group of unsuspecting adults doing things that people always do, i.e. traveling in this case. Oh, and we're also forgetting one thing to add to that. What? When it says loosely based on true events. Because when they put, like, based on true yes. events, it makes you be like, holy shit, like, this is real, like, I'm scared, I'm even, like, this can happen, oh, this actually happened, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, Blair Witch Project really sold the gold on that yep. one. As soon as yep. they did that, everyone's gonna do Hell it. Oh yeah. But it is scary. Definitely. But in reality, I believe that every horror movie should say based on true events because you know what? It probably has happened. Based on all the crimes that we look at, Min- everything is yeah. nightmare fuel. Minus though the slasher films. I mean, we you know that's not real. You never know. <laughs> oh God. We have serial killers. That's true. That's true. That's pretty horrifying. That's true. So due to the success made by the first movie, executives decide to make Wolf Creek too. And I promise I have a reason for this tangent. It'll all make sense in the end. Wolf Creek 2, which was released in 2014, allows John Jarrett, who he's the one who's he's reprising his role from the first Wolf Creek. He plays an awesome, crazy, crazed killer. Okay. That's probably the how they described the role to him. You're going to be a crazy, crazed killer. <laughs> I don't know why okay. I said it like that, but he is a nutcase, and he's even better in Wolf Creek 2. So in Wolf Creek 2, he tortures two German backpackers who decide to basically camp out in the National Forest where they're really not supposed to be camping out without paying a fee. And it's ironic because this crime that we're going to talk about today happens at a campsite as well that looks extremely familiar to this campsite in Wolf Creek 2. Um, It's bad. He kills one, like horrifically kills one, decapitates them. I vaguely remember something happening with a penis. My mind is working hard to forget it, but the other one escapes and is eventually picked up by a British traveler, and the two try and escape the maniacal killer. So this one's a bit of a flop, but the series has such a strong cult following that they decide to make a TV series, which lasted for two seasons. So it is really popular, this whole Wolf Creek thing. So now we know the man by the name of Roman Hines seems hell-bent on creating his own Wolf Creek character. And in a crime that seems to be pulled from the screenplay of Wolf Creek 2, the man leaves a crime scene that is an exact replica of the tent that those two German tourists were sleeping in in the second movie. But real life is very different from the movies. And this time, our two backpackers survive, and they have a lot to tell us. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Salt Creek is known mostly for its rugged beauty due to the remoteness of the area. And that is what drew two backpackers in. So let's get into who these girls are, what happened to them, and how they survived. Lena Rambent, who was from Germany, actually in fact watched the film Wolf Creek a few days before she was to head to Australia 
for her first solo backpacking trip. She remembers telling the friend that she was watching the movie with that that really wasn't real life and things probably would never happen that way and she knows that that would never happen to her. Right? That's something that everyone always says. Of course. It's kind of like a scary omen. If this was a movie, that would be the foreshadowing. Like, it's so crazy how this plays out, this whole story. So in early February of 2016, Lena is in Adelaide. And she had been in the country for about a month at this point, and things were really going great. It was here that she met fellow traveler, 23-year-old Beatrice from Brazil. The two became quick friends. And Lena explained that she was taking a break in her schooling for a year so that she could travel. And Beatrice was in the midst of completing her nursing studies. And this was also Beatrice's first solo trip. She had actually come to Australia on a whim. She was living in Brazil, but she met someone from Australia online, from Adelaide. And she started dating him. And a week into them dating, she decided to come to Australia. Wow, that's bold. That is pretty bold. But... Even after this, they're still together, so it seems like a legit relationship. It wasn't just okay. 90-day fiancé kind of thing. So, <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Yes, <laughs> but it, it was an interesting choice to me. I think it just goes to show that both of these women are um, adventure seekers. And free-spirited. Yes. So after Beatrice was going to spend some time with her new boyfriend in Adelaide, she decided to go traveling on her own afterwards. So she wasn't going to be with him. Both girls are going to learn that they have the same travel plans. And they both want to head south and see the Great Ocean Road. And because they were together, this gave them the sense that they would be more safe. And fun history fact, by the way. The Great Ocean Road is the world's largest war memorial. Because it was built in 1919 and it finished in 1932 by soldiers who returned from World War I. And they were in search of jobs. So once completed, it was dedicated to the soldiers who lost their lives in the Great World War. So it's really That's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And it's a beautiful highway. And it hugs the coastline known as the Surf Coast. And it's just a massive tourist attraction. I'd want to see that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That would be really cool. So what the girls decide to do is accompany each other because they're both headed for Melbourne. And they're going from Adelaide there, and they're going to take the, the whole highway. And they're going to go together. And that really kind of makes sense. Yeah, cool. Now the, these two uh, people that are by themselves now are now together. It's pretty cool. They have someone to travel with. Yeah, and I definitely would feel safer traveling with somebody else. Definitely. Okay, so we're going to leave our travelers right now, and we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we're going to hear from today's sponsor, which is Wix.com. Are you looking to create a website? Starting a web page of your own can really bring your business or your interests to a higher level. I've been using the Wix web page editors to create professional websites for years. It started when I first became a teacher and needed a way for my students to know what we were doing in class and a way to get the materials I had ready for them. When I went to Wix, I was able to follow through on my idea and so much more. I was able to let the students blog and respond to posts as well as take surveys. It's wonderful, and after seven years, I still use it in the classroom. This is why, when we started the podcast, the first thing I thought of was Wix. The drag-and-drop website builder is so easy to use, so changing and fixing things is a breeze. The site also has artificial design intelligence that allows you to create a stunning website in just a few minutes. With Wix's over 500 stunning templates, finding the design that is right for you will be quick and easy. If it's a business you're trying to promote, you will love the site's built-in CEO tools that allow you to get found online by search engines like Google and Bing. Another feature I love is that Wix allows you to edit the design of your web page from what it will look like on a desktop page to what it will look like on a mobile device, making the transition smooth and easy. If you're looking to increase your productivity and create a website for your job, brand, or personal life, Wix.com is the way to go. Our listeners even get a great deal. So get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash podcast to get 10% off. Again, that's Wix.com slash podcast 
to get 10% off today. So let's meet up with our travelers again. So now that they made the decision to travel together, the girls have to tackle the next issue that they had. They needed a ride. So Beatrice turned to Gumtree, which I can only associate, you know, to like U.S. listeners with Craigslist. That's what it really seems like, where you can advertise goods, services, real estate, things like that. So the ad the girls place on Gumtree reads as follows. Hey, I'm a 23-year-old Brazilian looking for someone to travel from Adelaide to Melbourne at 9th till 11th. I'm flexible and I can change my plans a bit. Just let me know if you are interested. Cheers. And underneath, she left her contact information. So basically, they were looking to start the traveling from Adelaide to Melbourne around the 9th or the 11th of February. So that's what she was looking to do. I I don't even think I would say the things that she said, like, I'm Brazilian, I'm this and that. I would just be like, hi, I'm a tourist, I'm here in Australia, I'd like to go here. Well, I think you you would get a lot more responses than your 23-year-old Brazilian. Well, that's what I was, that's kind of where I'm going with Maybe the wrong kind of attention. That's what I'm saying. I would have just said, I'm a tourist, I'm here in Australia, I can't wait to travel and see your sights, I'm here from the 9th or the 11th or whatever, and I'd like to see your attractions. Looking for a guide. That's all I would say. Yeah, I know, but you're, but you're a dude. Yeah, but what? <laughs> so, like, you would say that because you're not a 23-year-old Brazilian woman? You're right, I'm not. <laughs> they just wanted a ride, and they wanted it quick. So you want something that's going to grab someone's attention. And saying that you are definitely in possession of a tiny bikini would get someone's attention. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so Beatrice is going to get two main responses, both from men. She chose the first option that came in. The man seemed nice. He was around their age, her and Lena's age. And he was traveling in the same direction to meet up with some friends. However, the night before they were supposed to leave, the man had car trouble. So he contacts the two young tourists and tells them that he will be unable to take them to Melbourne because his car is acting up. And this is going to prompt Beatrice to make plans with the second man that responded to her ad. And that man's name is Roman Hines, who was 59 years old. She said that she really didn't want to reach out to Roman because after he first responded to the ad, she took a while to respond back as she was really trying to make plans with the other man that had responded first. He was insulted by this and kept sending her messages. He would say, just answer me. Do you want to go or not? Please respond. You're really not being nice. But at some point, the two girls needed to get on with their trip, and they really didn't have that many options. So Beatrice is finally going to respond to Heinz and say that she would take him up on his offer. On Tuesday, February 9th, 2016, the two girls met each other and Roman Heinz at the spot they designated for the pickup. He is there waiting for them. The first impression was definitely weird because he seemed a lot older than they expected him to be. He was also a lot bigger than they expected him to be. At 6'6", he towered over both girls, who were really tiny. But they felt better because they were together. It gave them a false sense of confidence. But the girls had no idea who they were getting into the car with. That's kind of why we talk about the, it's so funny because something that people wouldn't do at home, they feel comfortable doing traveling, especially like people backpacking, whether it's in Australia or whether it's in Europe, you kind of expect to be safe on the hospitality of strangers and you really never know what you could be getting. Yeah, I never understood that. I mean, I guess it's just, it's just something that doesn't really cross my mind. Like, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't backpack. Not to take that away from, or backpacking, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, take that away from anybody else, but I personally would never do it. And even if I did, I don't think I would rely on people that I don't know who they are and what they're all about. I just, mm-hmm. that whole thing like rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it definitely is a little bit scary. I need 110% of my life planned at all times. So the fact that Sometimes you just got to like go with the flow. I'm not able to go with the flow. I am n- I'm not a flower. I, I mean, I am a go with the flow. Type you of, are, type but of I'm not. So. Yeah, but I, 
I just still wouldn't feel comfortable with that. I would have to plan that. No. Like, so, so even someone that is a go with the flow type of attitude like me or personality, I would not do this. You're I, a terrible planner, too, so you'd just be a hot mess. <laughs> I don't know where not, you would end up. That's, not, that's why I <laughs> don't do it. So while on the road, Hines is going to try and put the girls at ease. He makes many stops as they are driving so the girls can take pictures. I know you're Taurus, he tells them. I want you to get all the great pictures. And he made them feel as if he was worried about their trip and making it seem okay. Most of the time, he's quiet in the SUV, which, by the way, is the same model as the vehicle that the British tourist is going to drive in Wolf Creek too, which is pretty interesting. But it's not that strange because it's a really popular 4x4 model that's used for the terrain in southern Australia. So not that weird. But what is weird is that Beatrice is going to pull out her phone, begin filming in the vehicle. So we actually have video of her, Lena, and Hines in the car together. And in retrospect, watching it is super eerie because you know what's going to happen. And it is kind of like one of those like found footage videos, right? That's what would start it. Yeah. And Beatrice is grinning into the camera as she sits next to Roman who has his glasses up just above his eyes, like on his forehead. You know how people can rest it there. And he seems like really like in like just staring out at the road. And Lena's in the back seat with a book in her hands, just taking in the soothing drive. So it is. It's like the beginning of... The calm before the storm? Yes. <laughs> so as they are driving, Hines is going to pull off at Salt Creek. The girls don't know this, but the reason he's headed south was that he had a camping trip planned in the area. However, he did not tell them this, and he basically springs this on the girls. And as they have no other option, they have to agree to go camping at Salt Creek with him for a few days. Now, he said he had had this planned. He likes going fishing, so that's why he wants to be in the area. But he does tell them that he was supposed to go camping with his girlfriend on this trip, but that she was sick, so she was unable to attend. But this is as far from the truth as possible. Heinz's girlfriend, whose name is Sylvia Clark, is in pain, but she's not sick. About a month before the couple was supposed to go on the camping trip, so a month before he picked them up, Heinz attacked Sylvia six months into their relationship. The story she later relays to the media, and eventually in court, is haunting. She explains that she was awoken from a deep sleep to her hand being tied to the bedpost. She was confused, and she didn't know why her boyfriend, Roman Hines, was tying her other arm to the other post as well. When she asked him what the hell he was doing, he screamed at her to shut up and began biting her. Hard, aggressive bites that were breaking her skin. He was grabbing at her and bruising her body. He kept trying to rip her legs apart, but she was fighting him. And after a few blows to her body, Sylvia quickly realized that if she continued to fight, she was going to end up in a worse state than she was already in. So she decided to stop fighting and let him do what he was going to do. Once he was finished, he rolled off of her and didn't say a word. Afterwards, Sylvia was too embarrassed to go to police, but she did end the relationship with Heinz. She told reporters that it still haunts her. What could have happened to her if she chose to go on that camping trip with him? But like we said before, the girls are ignorant to the sadistic nature of the driver, and now they are miles and miles away from anyone. Beatrice recalled that this was bizarre because it was a really remote beach, but the beach wasn't unlike any other beach she had ever seen before in her travels in the country. It also was really far away from where anyone else would go fishing. So she was thinking to herself, why here? There's nothing close. There's nothing unique about this spot. And she was really confused as to why he was so adamant on setting up camp in this specific location that he did choose. Lena asked Beatrice, so do you think he's all right? And Beatrice admits to her that she doesn't feel comfortable in this situation. Now, the girls have this conversation when they kind of like wander off a little bit and they're taking pictures of the beach. And when they get back to the campground, they they realize that he's really kind of set up everything. 
Um, there are two tents set up. He said one's for him and one's for them. There's a picnic table and there's chairs and a cooler. So he has the whole setup down. It seems like he's going out of his way to like calm them down and make them not suspicious. Well, because he's he can read them. You know what I mean? I mean, people like Heinz, he's able to read people and that's how he's able to get away with what he does. Yeah, and he's definitely, yeah. they're getting nervous. So Lena said she was really tired and she wanted to go to the car to go to sleep. So leaving Beatrice and Roman by themselves, Lena said she was really tired. So she went to the car to go to sleep, which left Beatrice and Roman by themselves. The two set up the grill together and made some food. Roman convinced Beatrice that there were kangaroos deeper in the sand dunes. He said that he knew this because he saw their footprints. She did not know that he was carrying a knife, a rope, and a hammer as they walked further down the beach. When she turned to go towards the campsite because she felt like something was wrong, he grabbed her. And at first she thought it was a joke, and she didn't get it. But when he threw her to the ground, she quickly realized what was happening. He got down on top of her back and put his arm around her neck. He then put the knife that he was holding down on the sand and tried to tie up her hands and feet. When she understood that he was trying to tie her up, she grabbed the rope away from him and threw it as far as she could away from them. He picked up the knife then and said to her, either you're going to make this easy or I'm going to break your arm. She thought then, I don't want to make him more angry. And she allowed him to tie her up. Next, next thing she knew, he was in complete control. He ripped her bathing suit off and began to lick her body. She was trying to convince him to stop and that she, he could have whatever he wanted. They would give him all of the money that they had, all the things that they had if he would just stop attacking her. Heinz didn't want to hear her talking, so he punched Beatrice and was telling her to shut up. But this didn't stop her. She said that she had so much adrenaline in her system that she didn't feel the pain and she didn't feel him hitting her. And she began to envision her death on that beautiful beach. And as the attack on her commenced, she thought what it would be like for her mother to have to come to Australia and identify and pick up her body. She explained to reporters that this is when something inside of her snapped and she was determined to fight for her life and she wasn't going to give up. Beatrice stopped fighting him and said, please, I will do whatever you want, but it doesn't have to be this way. We can go back to the campsite, we can relax, and I'll do whatever you want there. So basically trying to just prolong this as long as possible. Um, in a lot of defense classes, they like tell you to do things like this. So Heinz then picked her up with her feet and hands still tied and began dragging her closer to the campsite. However, as they got closer, he changed his mind, presumably because he was nervous that maybe Lena had awoken from her nap. And then he starts pulling her away. And Beatrice, knowing that this was her only chance, began screaming for Lena. And luckily, Lena, despite the sounds of the wind and the surf, heard the scream and woke up from her nap. And she knew someone was calling her name. So she got out of the car and began to wander towards the direction she thought she heard the sound coming from. And that's when Lena found them. Heinz was standing over Beatrice, bound and naked on the beach. She screamed for him to let her go. Heinz then turned around and said, I just wanted to try her. Heinz began chasing Lena and she began to run back to the car. Behind them, Beatrice is screaming for her to run. Run away because he has an axe and he's going to kill us. Lena knows she needs to get to her phone. She's screaming back to Heinz, I just want to get my bag and get out of here. He screams back at her to get her bag and leave. She reaches the car door and tries to grab for her phone, but he gets there first and smashes her in the back of the head with a hammer, as hard as he can. Lena heard a crack and she lost her vision temporarily. When she could see again, she began to run as fast as she could away from him. This is when he begins to chase her, hammer still in hand. 
and he manages to strike her three more times before she can outrun him. This is crazy, and this has escalated so quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just wanted to get them in an isolated area. And actually, if you think about it, it's kind of smart because on the on this beach, this isolated beach where no one really is, you have the the sound of the waves, and I'm sure the birds or animals. So you have lots yeah, of noise. Yeah, a lot of wildlife. Yeah, so you have lots of noise to kind of like drown out any screams or anything like that. So, you know, yeah, it's a, he definitely picked a good spot. Yeah. Heinz, knowing at this point that he could never get to her on foot, is going to run back to the campsite and get behind the wheel of his four-wheel drive vehicle. Lena is completely disoriented. She wanted to run away, but she also wanted to find her friend. So she starts yelling for Beatrice. She follows her friend's screams. She follows her friend's screams, and they finally reach each other. Lena untied her friend, and they embraced. This is when the two are going to make the best decision that they could have ever made. They decide to split ways. And it's so funny because in movies, don't we just always scream at the characters like, don't split up, don't split up. Exactly. But in this case, it saved them. So there's no way that in his car, he could chase both of them. So as they see the car approaching, the two girls begin to run. Beatrice ran up into the sand dunes and Lena down the coastline. Beatrice was hiding in the salt bushes, and it was very difficult to see her. Hines chose to follow Lena, as she was in full sight. As the car was behind Lena, she made the decision to run into the dunes and through the salt bushes as well. But Hines was able to follow her through the dunes, and he chased her for over a mile. And the entire time, he was right on her tail. And she kept zigzagging and trying to go up the dunes, thinking his car wouldn't be able to get over it, but it could every time. So when investigators discuss what the crime scene looked like, they describe Lena's footprints as being four feet in length due to the veracity of her pace in the sand. Like she was clearly running for her life from a car. Yeah, and you know what? Let's also like take into account that running on sand, really difficult. Yes. It's like yeah. it's like twice as hard. It's like yeah. you don't even feel right when you are running in sand. I can't explain it. You don't it. feel like you're going anywhere. Yeah. So finally he caught up to her and he started playing games with her. He could have hit her and ran her over, but that's not what he wanted to do. So he kept bumping into her and she would fall down and she would get back up and try and run and he would bump into her again. And that's going to happen four times. But she kept getting back up. And finally, the last time she gets up, she stops running and she faces the car and she runs towards it, up the hood, up the windshield, onto the roof. And she holds onto the rack that's on the roof. Isn't that crazy? That is funny. That Uh, is a ballsy move. It's actually awesome. (laughs) It is. That is so awesome. He got out of the car and he was furious, screaming at her. He tried to climb on the roof, swinging a hammer, but he couldn't. And Lena kept trying to kick him in the face or in the arm that was holding the hammer. And she said she was bleeding so much that the roof was covered in blood. Hines was furious, so angry that he gets back in the vehicle and begins to drive along the coastline in the sand dunes as fast as he can in an attempt to knock her off the roof rack. But she wasn't going anywhere. That is probably the most badass thing of all time. And it's actually really hard. I mean, think yeah, about it. Yeah, she's so exhausted. First of all, she's exhausted, yes. Then, like, you know, you're trying to stay on the roof. Even though you're holding the roof rack, you still have all the blood that's on the roof. And if you're driving really fast... It's slippery. It's slippery, you know? So, like, you know, it's easy just to, like, go really fast, brake check, and then just fly off, the you know, the, the front of the roof, you know, yeah. just to, in front of the car and fly off. Exactly. So it's kind of crazy. That she was able to hold on. It is insane that she was able to hold on for so long. So far off in the distance, Beatrice is still hiding in the salt bushes. And she sees a car approaching. She panics because she thinks it's Heinz. But she realizes it's not. And she flags down the car full of men. And the men who were fishing in the area realize quickly that something is seriously wrong. At first, they just see this naked woman flagging them down. They're like, what the hell's going on? They thought maybe she was drunk or on drugs. But they realized quickly as she got into the car and was explaining what happened, that something bad had really happened. So they call the owner of the only roadhouse in the area. And 
the owner's name is Adam Stewart. And they say to him, there's a girl on the beach. She's been raped. A guy is bashing and raping girls on the beach. Help, please help. So the owner, Adam Stewart, calls police and heads for the same stretch of beach that the men were at. And Beatrice is going to convince them to search for Lena because the men kind of wanted to drive her right to the hospital, but she's saying, no, we need to go get Lena. So it's interesting because this is a turn in events where it was Lena saving Beatrice only, but now this in her own way, Beatrice is saving Lena. Well, yeah, because I mean, how bad would you feel knowing that you got away and you did nothing Right. To try to help that person that was with you. And later on, Beatrice is going to say that she feels guilty for the whole situation because it was her idea to get a ride this way. Yeah. But that happens to a lot of people. I mean, I know. you know what I mean? No, the, no one can be blamed except for this man, but it was her own guilt. Yeah. Eventually, Hines stopped driving. Now he was going to use a different tactic. He was calm and collected with Lena. He told her, please come down. This is ridiculous. And Lena told him she would only come down if he threw away all of his weapons. So he did. He threw away the two hammers that he had and the one knife. He also gave her a hat and a towel to stop her bleeding. As they were driving back to the campsite, they passed a group of fishermen. And Lena realized this was her moment. So she kind of flopped out of the passenger window. Not like out of it, but like she just hung herself over and was waving to them. But she was so exhausted that she could barely lift her arms. But what they did notice is that she was bleeding all over the place. And quickly the men jump into their vehicles and they start chasing Hines within the sand dunes. And the reason that the men chase so quickly is that Adam Stewart actually called everyone that he knew was out fishing and made them aware of what was going on. So that was a pretty smart move. Really smart, yeah. I mean, the more the merrier. I mean, if we, you know, if they get people to go find him and chase him, I mean. definitely. Until at least police arrive, you know. So as the car was cornered, um, so the fishermen are going to chase him down. And they're going to kind of get him to this spot where there's nowhere for him to go. Because he's between a sand dune and the tide is starting to come up. So we kind of can't go the other way, really. So this is when he's cornered and Lena gets out of the car. She just decides that this is it. And she starts walking and then she starts running. And she keeps looking back because she's expecting Heinz to be there, but he's not. He's not chasing her anymore. And I guess it's because he kind of realizes like, okay, now there are people watching, so I can't chase her. So he's kind of just letting her go there. And Lena starts running towards the fishermen. Now the men in the vehicles were the men in the vehicles were quickly joined by other fishermen in the area. And as they sat in their cars, they saw someone running towards them. Now they had called police. They were waiting for the police to get there. They didn't want to approach this man by themselves, which is smart because you don't know what kind of weapons he has on him. That's true. So they see someone running towards them, but they couldn't make out who it was. All they know is this person was limping and staggering across the beach, blood caking their face and the baseball hat they now had on. They were so covered in blood that they couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. So fearful, they stayed in their cars. Heinz is then going to drive away. As the cars were attending to Lena, once they realize it's her, they are coming to her aid, they're making sure she's okay, and this is when he's able to get away. So he finally makes it up the sand dune and drives away. So now we have Lena and we have Beatrice and they're safe. But we have this man driving around in Salt Creek. So police finally get to the scene and they ask Adam Stewart if he can help them. Because he knows the area better than they do. So he's going to accompany them on the search for Roman Hines. And they do chase him a little bit around Salt Creek. They finally find him where he's stuck in a sand dune and he can't get out. So Adam Stewart kind of explains a scary moment that they pull up to him and he has his hands on the wheel and he's just staring at them. And everyone's thinking, like, what's going to happen? How's this guy going to go out? Because obviously he was caught doing something terrible. Yeah, people like that, you don't know. I mean, they can want to they wanna uh, go out with a blaze, uh, blaze, blaze of glory. glory. 
So luckily he gets arrested without incident and he doesn't give them a big fight. So that's really good. So the scene is unbelievable. It, it literally looks like it had rained blood on the car. That's how much blood was surrounding his, his car. That's insane. I mean, it is insane. I mean, you got to also understand that the injuries that she's suffered, uh, Lena, anyway. Oh, yeah. She's been hit in the head yeah, multiple with times. a hammer three times. Yeah. So at the time of the arrest, both girls were being flown to the hospital. And at this point, Lena was unconscious as she had lost so much blood. While there, Lena will receive 13 staples to her head because of her injuries from the hammer. Beatrice said the whole time she just couldn't stop crying and that she was so scared for Lena. Eventually, Lena woke up and the two embraced. Like we said before, Beatrice was kind of nervous that Lena was going to blame her for this whole thing, but she didn't. The two women survived it together. So with the girls safe and Heinz in custody, they began looking into just what kind of man he is. And on his computer, they find an overwhelming amount of sadistic porn. He had been also charged with indecent assault on two other backpackers in 2014. Twelve people come out and say that they had accepted rides from him and that he was really strange. And hearing all of this, Sylvia, his former girlfriend, the one who was supposed to go on the camping trip, is going to reach out to police to tell them what had happened to her a month prior, thinking that it could really help with the case because it's showing a pattern. Luckily, she had even taken pictures of her injuries of the attack, and her bruises are really disturbing. They're deep. They cover every inch of her body. On her shoulder, they're horrific, but they, they really do. They're all over her legs. It's It follows the story that she tells. So it's obvious that this happened. Well, it's just so creepy like that, that someone can actually do that. Right. She said the scariest thing was him snapping because... In their six-month relationship up to that point, he never showed any violent tendencies. And just all of a sudden, one day, it was like a flip switched. Which is the scariest of all, really. Yeah, because you never know what's going to happen. Witnesses also say that four years ago, Hines was seen at the very roadhouse that Adam Stewart owns with a young blonde backpacker. He was getting supplies, said he was going on a fishing trip. But when he returned they remembered that the girl wasn't with him. So they don't know where this girl went. So Stuart continues to try and get police to search the beaches and the dunes for the body of whoever that young blonde backpacker is. So we still to this day don't know. And it's interesting because how many people had this happen to? It seemed very well planned out. He didn't seem nervous about it. It was brazen. It was out in the open. It's definitely clear that Heinz has committed this before. these acts before. Absolutely. I mean, how many we don't know, but it would really explain how why he was so comfortable with it. Right. I mean, and he showed uh, nothing. He showed no remorse. He showed no. Uh, uh, he wasn't nervous. It was. It was odd. Very odd. No, I completely agree. It's like another Ivan Milat, and it could be. We don't know. Maybe he's just not saying all the people he killed. Yeah. That's it's, really scary. It's quite possible. So the trial of Roman Hines is also filled with controversy. During the trial, Sylvia Clark took the stand and talked about the attack Hines made on her a month before the Salt Creek incident. The judge ruled that this could not be considered rape as the two were partners. And how this outraged the public and Sylvia and, well, us... And you and and really everyone that has a soul. Because that is the most outrageous thing that a judge could ever say. Sylvia clearly was attacked. The pictures, we'll put pictures up of all the bruising that Sylvia had. It was, it was intense. And to say that someone can't be raped because they're partners with someone is just so completely inaccurate. Well, it's ignorant. Yeah. And uh, and obviously she had proof of, of bruises and, and the way she was beaten beaten and bitten right <laughs> on her body like it, it, it makes no sense that's just absurd i just feel so bad because this woman who at first was embarrassed to come forward doesn't but then comes forward in order to help other people and she was treated the way that she was so that just really gives a bad message to rape victims it does it absolutely does you know i mean it's how can you 
as someone that's supposed to uphold the law, how do you just write that off? I mean, granted, she wasn't brought to the beach and, you know, he didn't try to kill her. But, you know, he still tied her up, still beat her, most likely raped her. Well, no, he definitely did. Oh, right, and then bit her like a weirdo. I mean, that's not normal. Yeah. So just because there wasn't witnesses doesn't mean it didn't happen, and just because that's your partner doesn't mean you can't be raped by them. And like you said, she came forward because of what transpired with the two girls. Right, right. So it's not like there was no gain for her. In this none, situation. none at all. That's not easy to just come out and say. Correct. So I. It was just a really sad part yeah. of the trial. Hines will be found guilty of indecent assault, aggravated assault causing serious harm, and aggravated kidnapping. He, however, was found not guilty of attempted murder of Lena. How outrageous is that? He hit her in the head with a hammer three times and was driving to get her off of the car to kill her and was playing games with her How is that not attempted murder? And an assault with a deadly weapon. I mean, you hit the person. Well, he did. He got that. Yeah, but he should have gotten that. He got aggravated assault. Right. But he also should have gotten attempted murder as well. His actions showed that he wanted to murder her when he hit her with the hammer. What the judge said was the fact that he then led her back in the vehicle and gave her the hat and gave her something to stop the bleeding was showing that he didn't want her to die. No. See, what that shows to me is that he knew that he couldn't get her off the roof. So by kind of giving her the towel and the hat and the clothing to get her back into the passenger seat proves to me that he wanted to just extend the time he had with her to kill her. Right, and to cover his tracks. So, like, that's bullshit. I mean, yeah. anybody anybody with a brain can look at that and see exactly what's going on. Well, not in this case. And he was only sentenced to 17 years. That guy should never come out again. Ever. <laughs> I really feel like I'm really mad at the judge in this case. I'm mad at that the, the judge, judge should spend some time at Salt Creek with him (laughs) to know what it's like. Yeah, I agree with you. But you know what? Even though this happened, I still love Australia. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that this case is really cool because, well, okay, obviously it's horrible. We know that, but we love true crime, so we can say things like that. Because it shows the worst of humanity, but the best of humanity. Yeah. Because not only did these two girls, who themselves were essentially strangers, they saved each other. Yeah. Then the fishing community of Salt Creek is going to rally together and take this guy down. Quickly, too. Yeah, like that's, it's amazing. And it really shows that there is, yes, of course, horrible things happen in Australia. Horrible things happen everywhere. And it happened here but the community clearly did not accept it and stepped up immediately. Well, the, the, the community rallied quickly. Yeah, they definitely It's did. crazy, actually. But I guess that that's, you know, what you're supposed to do. You know? No, it is what you're supposed to do, and it's what they did. So it's not always what happens. So it's great that it did. There's a lot of times that we hear people are trying to flag down cars for help and nobody stops. And yes, of course, sometimes it's a ruse, but... They stopped here, and they really helped her. So I just think it's a great story of human determination to stay alive, but also to help others. I agree with you. It was really nice. And what we want to do, because we've done it in one past episode, John did it, and I really kind of liked the idea where we pick our unsung hero at the end of every episode. Yeah, so who would be your unsung hero here? Me? Yeah. The the makers of that roof rack. <laughs> because that stayed on real good. There had to have been grips. That was so good. I mean, I guess. It's an unsung hero. It's someone who isn't recognized. Really, everyone in this story, except for Crazy Town Hines, is a hero, right? Everybody. True. The two girls, Sylvia is for standing up, Adam Stewart is for being amazing, the fisherman for stepping up to the plate and well, chasing him down, 
and the police did a great job. The investigation was amazing. Hines and the judge, assholes. But everyone else is a hero. So my unsung hero is Roof Rack Installer. Okay, I think my unsung hero is going to be Adam. No, he's a hero. An unsung hero is someone who doesn't get recognized. I know. Come on, John. I know, Admit I know. that I have a really good unsung hero. All right, that's a great unsung hero, but I just, I'm not, I, I don't know. This case is hard because we have limited characters. You know what? I got one for you. Go for it. This is going to be absolutely outlandish and everyone's going to think, what the hell is he doing? I think the unsung hero, or un- yeah, is the sand dunes that he got stuck on. Oh, guy, That's good. Okay? Stupid as hell. But you know what? Yeah, he did get stuck. He got stuck on a sand dune at some point. So we're fans of this four-wheel drive vehicle. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, you know, hey, the sand dune. Good job, sand dune, for Good job, sand dune. tracking him down. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, we've really enjoyed this episode. We hope you did, too. We are going to be back. Of course, we're going to be back to our bi-weekly schedule, so we won't have an episode out next week, but the weekend after. And we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Like we said before, we're going to put all of the pictures up on social media so you can see that. Again, if you like this episode, like we always say, or if you like this podcast, please rate and review on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to us on. That's always really helpful. If you want, you can donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple. We have been diligently watching the Madeline McCann series on Netflix, and we're going to be releasing a two-parter on our Patreon about that documentary series, what our thoughts are, and our questions as to why it has to be eight episodes long. Right, John? Oh, yeah. So, John's not happy about the eight eight episodes. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I think it's, it's, I think this whole thing is going to be really good. I've always been fascinated with the Madeline McCann case, so I'm excited to talk about it. I know people feel like it's overdone, which is why we kind of want to bring a new twist to it, but do it on our Patreon page. So if you're into that, you can look for that soon, coming up next week. And it was great, guys. Yeah, I enjoyed this. All right, bye, guys. Bye, guys.